podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reid and we're going to look at what's happened in the last couple of weeks for Liverpool. We've missed a week for one reason or another and that's just as well because like, um, there's not been as much to moan about as usual because a couple of Liverpool wins. I mean, what more can you ask for? Start of the season, um, started off with a draw, but since then we've, we've turned it round and even, even managed a clean sheet now. So, um, maybe we were bit worried a bit too much about the signings or maybe maybe we weren't because um you know yeah we're looking like we're going to be a little bit short at the back aren't we but let's let's start with the positives um Newcastle away um another red card as if like there was some kind of evening up to do but Newcastle obviously a team that we might have had a bit of a worry about given they've got the sort of bottomless pit of money to throw at the team um getting a player sent off being a goal down it looked like it was all over for us for that game. But then, I don't know, I'm not saying it's the best comeback of all time because obviously Istanbul is probably never going to be beaten in that. But that wasn't a bad comeback at all, was it? No. Um, it defines that um, if you looked in the dictionary, smash and grab victory. That was basically it. Um, it was, what was it now, like nine, ten days or something since that, that game. And it feels like we always say a week is a long time in football but it does seem a, a fair old while ago now that but if, if there's a if there's a way to win a game amongst so much controversy it's probably in that manner of the guy who was being labelled by some as a flop um, due to a you know a hefty price tag and not the most outrageous first season in, in English football but you know a decent enough return Um to come off the bench when you when you're down a man and basically, you know, what you got to lose is nothing. And he, he pulls off them two strikes and it it shows basically what what many fans have always fought with Darwin is there is a player there. Um, you know, we we don't really sign many bad players. Um as much as people may, you know, give glance and stares towards our recruitment departments at the moment and how things are being handled and who is and who isn't actually part of that. Um, you know, we saw when when Benfica comes to Anfield and when we went to them in the Champions League a couple of years ago, he was a handful. He, he, he does like to have plenty of attempts on goal and sometimes it was a case last season where he was snatching, but, you know, a year settled in and those two finishes were were ruthless, um, and you know it, it's a long old way up for for fans to get to Newcastle, and it's a long old way up to that stand where they have to be housed at St James's Park, and they were treated to a delight there on on that day. So 
to come out of that game with with three points, which looked very unlikely for for all, you know, 78, 79 minutes or whatever it was that until we got the equaliser. I can't remember. I think it might be even later than that. Um, 81, you know, 81. It, it, was, it was good to get. Um, I think we last time we spoke, we were, you know, four points from two games. We were looking ahead to Newcastle and then a home game against Villa. And we basically said that the perfect dream scenario obviously would have been to get the maximum of 10 we could from those four games. But we would have happily settled on eight. And, you know, had that eight have been due to a draw, at Newcastle, we would have, you know, settled for that given their their rise to, you know, financial prominence in in the last 12, 18 months or something like that. So to get away where we did, um, yeah, you can't moan. And I think it could be a catalyst for for a good season, um, you know, and, and and what came afterwards at the weekend in a in a clean sheet and a and a comfortable victory, which I don't think we've experienced a such a, a comfortable 90 minutes and 3-0 routine victory for a long time against Villa. Um, you know, you'd like to hope that the new players we've got and the sort of new new system and like the, you know, the, the change in personnel across the team and whatever that, it's all starting to slowly settle in and we're not going to get ahead of ourselves and say, right, we're, we're on the charge for the title, but you know, we're going in a positive direction and I think that's all we can we can probably look for in the, the small sample size of games that we've got. Yeah, I mean I think when the the early stages of that game, I can just remember it just felt like um old mistakes coming back to haunt us as well, our own worst enemies in some ways, you know. Um Trent doesn't I don't think Trent makes that many mistakes defensively over a whole season. You know, when he offers so much more that kind of cancels a lot of that out anyway, because, you know, overall you've got a decent player there, haven't you? But, um, you know, that, that sort of reared his head again. And then, um, and Virgil getting red carded. I mean, some are saying that, you know, I mean, my, my first opinion on it, looking at clips that I saw of it, um, was that it was unfair. As I look at it a bit more, I can kind of see why they gave it. And it's, I just think it's one of those things by the letter of the law of the game, I suppose. It's a red card. If they think it's a foul, it's a red card. I think it's harsh. I think if that had been, I don't even think you'd have got a foul for that. If that had just been a sort of coming together anywhere else on the pitch, not through one goal, he would have been kind of play on, you know, might have even been a booking for a dive kind of thing. Um, it was so slight that touch that was there, but fair enough. It was there. Um, the thing is though, we sort of, um, you know, it, it kind of felt like we were still under the cosh straight from the goal that, um, the ex blue nose had scored. I mean, um, it gave the, gave the bitters something to cheer about, didn't it? For a little bit that he'd scored against us. But, you know, we felt like, you know, in that few minutes, it was like three minutes from, from that goal, which came from the mistake. And then, and then Virgil sending off, um, which you could argue again is a mistake. It felt like we were just, um, it felt like old times again. And I was really worried. And I wasn't even, in this case, I wasn't at the game. I was actually over in the Northeast and, I did not really, I thought to me, oh God, I, do I really want to spend a week here now, um, in amongst people from Newcastle? You know, that the, there's only one team basically in the northeast after Sunderland, anywhere north of Newcastle. The, the next team after Newcastle in the, going north is someone, someone in Scotland basically. So, um, there's no one else for anyone to support. And I was dreading the week ahead, but this comeback, I mean, I, I think I saw like five Newcastle shirts for the rest of the week. Um, we just had them in hiding. Um, and in fact, maybe that, you know, I think they'd gone on to lose again. So maybe they're not the threat that we thought, we thought they were. Who knows? Um, 
but that that to me was like you know we're our own worst enemy at times but we've been like that in the past when we've been winning things and it's how we react to being our own worst enemy so so there are times when things have gone wrong whether it's our own doing or dodgy refs or you know bit of bad luck or unbelievably good opponents whatever it might be um it's how we react to that and i just felt you know from the bits that i saw eventually we did and and darwin when you mentioned his, his hefty price fee um i mean it was a lot there's, there's no arguing but in the grand scheme of things i mean what was it um i think it was about 64 65 million it could go up to maybe another 20 on top of that with add-ons i don't know uh what the rules are young lad um the potential he's got the, to me that still feels like it could be a bargain you know as you said um <laughs> That, that price fee can kind of weigh on his shoulders, but there's a player there that's raring to go and having him on the bench seemed to change him maybe, maybe just, you know, it's like we, we let him off the leash and we'd had to make changes early and obviously we, we've had that going. I think Diaz came off, didn't he? Um, you know, and in a way, that's the last thing you're thinking. Why, why are we taking a striker off? We need to win, but it all worked out. And Darwin, um, is, is, I don't know. I just feel like there is, we, we said it a lot last season. This player is there. He's waiting to come out. And, and, and this, this, I think was a sign of that play that we've got, wasn't it? I mean, that, it, what, a, what a player. Yeah. Just to, to pick up on something you said there regarding the substitutes, that's probably why Jürgen Klopp has got a Premier League, the cabinet, and then mm-hmm. he hasn't. You know, like the, the managerial moves and the tactical changes in that game, you know, that, Newcastle had, had it all in their favour, you know, the man up the goal up, you know, at home, you know, the crowd rowdy on their side. Everything was going for them. And it didn't seem like they knew what to do, how to handle that situation. Now, I am of the opinion, I don't think Eddie Howe sees out the season with Newcastle. I think he may have peaked last season and he overachieved in, in what he got there. So I think, you know, Looking at their group for the Champions League, I think it's PSG, Dortmund, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I think the AC Milan um, is possibly their group. I don't see them (laughs) progressing at all. I mean, I I see them finishing bottom in all essence. I don't think they'll even get the booby prize of the Europa League and join us in that one. But I think it it is like he he is a, a manager of certain quality and certain level and his inexperience shone on that day where, you know, there's a, there's a way to see how to game with 10 men. We shown it, you know, the week before against Bournemouth, albeit, you know, with a different sort of side in, in quality, but, you know, we were at home and we managed to see ourselves through the game and, and see the game out and, and, and seal the three points, but he never, and Jürgen Klopp basically, as you reference with Diaz for, for Gomez, everyone was thinking, why, why are you taking him off? He's like, you know, he's your outlet ball and stuff, but it was a case of, right, well, let, let's stick in the game and, and see if we can last for, you know, the last 10 minutes. And then, and then you know what, we've got this this chaos man on the bench, this chaos, Captain Chaos as he is, and yeah. let's, let's just throw him on and let's just see. Like, if, if we got a point out that game, we would have been absolutely thrilled. To come away with three, it was absolute dreamland in terms of, you know, what had happened to us on the day, decision-wise and whatever. But it, it does just show what, what what Klopp's got compared to other managers, you know what I mean? Like people have knocked him and doubted him and whatever, but he he saw what what others would not. He saw that you know the foresight to ride through the game with certain personnel that he had and make sure that 
we stuck about and and we gained as much of a foothold as we could, and then we just went for it and, and we got it. And again, I, I fast forward, I'm probably jumping ahead again, either to to Villa at the weekend and and the professionalism in, in that performance in terms of we were without Van Dijk, obviously due to a suspension. We were out without Canate due to an injury, and and he and he puts Darwin in from the start and. The lad's been given a number nine shirt this season, which I think has been slightly overlooked. But that's a that's a big number to hold to Liverpool, and you know he must have been brewing with confidence from the week before. Number nine at Anfield, leading the line, and apart from actually putting the ball in the back of the net, it was a, it was a brilliant performance from him. Again, he was involved in all three goals, so you can't ask for any more from him. And yeah, when when you mention sixty four million in today's transfer window and what you see. Some players going for, you know, maybe not the the word bargain, but value for money is Mm. certainly like a good term to be used for them at the moment, I think. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. No, 100%. He's, he's, um, I mean, I think you're right as well. Something you said that we don't buy bad players and maybe that's sometimes why we're sitting in frustrated thinking, why haven't we bought a player to fill this hole that we can see in the squad or, you know, to give us that, that extra pe- person on the bench in that, in that kind of position, whatever, giving us that ability to have that bit more quality when we're rotating and we sort of complain, but really, you know, part of the, there's no doubt that part of the reason for that is we don't want to spend money on shite. We want to, we want to spend the money we've got on players who are, who are worth spending the money on. Um, and we will spend big money if if we think they're worth it, but we'll, you know, we're not going to waste little bits of money usually on on players that aren't. And it, I mean, we do have some examples. I'm sure we, plenty of people are shouting now at the at the speakers that you know half a dozen players they can think of from the last uh, bit of time that Klopp's been here. But that's the thing. It, you might struggle to even think of half a dozen um, that you could really say we're not good. You know, we're not good value for money. We've um, we've done well with our signings on the whole. Um, but um, I mean, if we are going to be a little bit negative about anything, it's sort of. I think Klopp sort of said he wasn't too worried about the defense, and obviously Virgil had gone. Um, we knew he was going to be missing for at least one game, potentially more, when the transfer window was still open, and we were kind of hoping that there'd be another signing at the back but there wasn't which you know so far hasn't been the end of the world Trent um, has kind of reacted I mean I don't know what you think about his performance against Villa but it, it was like two different plays from the one who played that first little bit of the game against Newcastle you know that that mistake that led to that goal Um he was a totally different player. Um, Captain's armband, maybe. I don't know whether that sort of boosted him a little bit more. I don't know, but he, he is a decent player and he, every, every player has bad games. Trent's for some reason get noticed more than others. Um, he had, had an outstanding game. Um, but we were kind of down to bare bones, you know, Matip and Gomez in the middle, Ro- Robbo obviously on the left. Um, 
you know, and we've even had to bring, um, the, the you know, you, we sort of get, we're getting a young lad sort of bedding in now, aren't we? Getting him on towards the end of the games just to see, you know, just giving him a little bit of a run out. And maybe also because of that worry with Trent, because he's missing for the England game. What a shame for them. Um, I'm hoping that's just us basically saying, look, no messing. I mean, if we had, if we were in the Champions League this season and we had a game on Wednesday, I wouldn't be surprised if Trent was playing it. But because it's England, it's like, nah, you know, taking no chances. We'll see. But, you know, from a transfer window point of view, personally, I am still worried about the back. I think we've got players there that, that can fit in and, and can fill in for us. But, um, you know, Van Dyke's missing, uh, Mr. Game. He's got another one to miss at least. Um, Trent may not be back because maybe the injury is worse than I'm hoping for. And, you know, we start to look look down the you know look down the subs bench and think, well, well, who's going to come in? And it's going to either be playing kids, which may sometimes be the making of a player, or playing players out of position, which can sometimes quite often be the breaking of a player. Um, any thoughts? You know, are, are we right to be still annoyed with the transfer committee at least on that bit on the defence side of things? I think we were well within our rights to be, you know, slightly aggrieved that. Not one more person come in. Um, as you said, like we we don't buy, don't usually buy bad players. We normally buy the the, the right ones and the right type of people. I think that's a, a big thing. A Klopp, he like he likes the people as much as the player. Um, but but surely to God, there was there was lads out there that we could have got in. Um, you know, even on a loan basis, if, if we had to, you know, like people that. If you want to veer down the M62 and have a little look at United, they were literally scrambling down the back of the couch and seeing what people have got in, in charity buckets, seeing if they can muddle enough together to buy a player. And when they realised he couldn't get Kukurea on loan from Chelsea because they wanted too much cash, they had to go to, to Spurs, cap in hand, and ask for their third choice right back, left back, sorry, in, in Vegion and, and get him on a, on a cheaper loan deal. Um, you know, and, and then they also dug out the corpse of Johnny Evans, who probably should have retired about three years ago just you know reunite that that old Leicester backline with Harry Maguire at the weekend which was absolute comedy for anyone who watched it um, we won't talk about the finish of that game because you know if we were talking about dramatic finishes of Newcastle then that one in the Arsenal United game was something else but I think we we are a body short at the back and the only thing kind of clinging a little, little bit of hope to is there is a January transfer window. We have made moves in the past in January. Have we maybe just, you know, tried to put put all our eggs in the midfield rebuild basket this window and make sure that we've boxed that off and and we'll we'll come to that one um shortly in terms of the recruits that we've got there and, and maybe it was a case of we thought we'd be okay. Uh, you know, can I say sounds like it was just a a small muscle problem, and he, and he could be back after the international break. Um, Van Dijk, by all accounts, judging by his colourful language of the the VAR audio that's been released, he, he's probably entitled to another game ban because that's how the PGMOL works. So he will be back, and the performance from Matip and Gomez at the weekend was stellar. Um, I, I, apart from, I think Gomez slipped over and, and Villa got in once. I thought it was a a very, very good performance from him and, and young Kwan's has come in and, and not being phased by, by anything in the two appearances that he's made. We're still short at right back because if Trent is, is out, then basically our right back cover is Gomez and that basically leaves, you know, another body light in, in terms of the centre half of the field. But 
maybe the they're taking the approach that you know Champions League would be more of a high profile player performance wanted than the Europa League. So if we if we go with the the mentality of of two lineups, if if your stellar lineup was to be Van Dijk and let's just say Kanate because he's featured most prominently next to Van Dijk in recent months as your Premier League starting pair and, and then you know your, your cup team is is Matip and Gomez and we might have to botch together a right back somewhere whether you know young Connor Bradley comes back from from injury and and features there or whether we you know we can figure something else and and put sort of a makeshift player in that Trent's role so Trent doesn't play every single game and we can get to Christmas with a cup team and a league team and then maybe address that in the January window when the nitty gritty end of the season comes and you might be required to pay more of a of a high profile eleven on a on a two to three games a week basis then then might that might possibly be an approach. That's the only sort of way I can see around it because otherwise we're gambling. Um, and, and we're being we're being left short as as we often have been in recent transfer windows. We always just think like just that one more player just possibly could have you know tipped the balance in our favour in terms of, you know you've you've lost the league by a point you lost the Champions League final you know on close calls like it it's all ifs and buts and you'd just like to be a bit more certain with things and just push that boat out an extra few yards and see if we can we can get over the line because. It'd make a hell of a lot of difference if we could have a few more shiny trophies in the cabinet than you know a few more runners-up medals. Yeah, and you mentioned um, you mentioned earlier as well the Villa game, like a, a, a very professional performance, and you know first clean uh, first clean sheet of the season, um, getting the first goal in after three minutes. The second one was an own goal, but that was only because um, Nunes had basically blasted it, and the defender didn't know where it was when it came back at him off the post. Um, and obviously Salah responding to some of the rumours about him recently and all the talk about him leaving by bagging one as well, you know. So, you know, whatever's going on with him, he's not phased by it. And, you know, if we take away from the defence for a little bit, you know, move away from that, and by by all accounts, the players who were there played well, um, that midfield is looking exciting, isn't it? Because, I mean, we didn't play all of the new players. We didn't play... Um, you know, we, we had options basically. I mean, you're just talking about having a, a side for cup games and a you know a side for league games. I think in the midfield, even if even if we did kind of have a cup team, we we can still mix it out a lot about a lot in the midfield. And um, it feels like the players are now starting to grow into the roles a little bit more, getting to know things already. I mean, we've only played four games, um, and at times they look like they've been playing together for months. Um, you know, if, if we just criticise the transfer committee, let's praise them for the midfield because I feel. Um, you know, as disappointing as it was at times, we'd lost plays, plays weren't coming in. Um, against Villa, it showed that we've got a decent, decent midfield. There are plenty of options, like young lads who can come in who we had work out of last season. I mean, Curtis Jones played at the weekend. Um, to me, when, what I saw of it, it didn't look out of place. Um, obviously I wasn't at the game myself this time. You were, did you? Um, you know, what sort of, when you're at the game, you see things you don't see on TV, don't you? And, what what sort of other signs would you say there were in that game that 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 shows that this midfield is um, the options are looking a little bit mouthwatering for us? I mean that goal was was tremendous, but you know I, I was pleased with what I saw on TV on match of the day too. What did I miss by not being at the game? Um, I'd say 
well, we'll start with Zawazlai or Zawazlai, however people want to pronounce it. We'll go with um, <laughs> um, because it's easier for me to pronounce. You know, yeah. maybe it's the Scouse accent thing, whatever. But um, he, he looks, he looks an absolute star. Um, and we, we, you know, we were saying about you know Darwin being sixty-four million, possibly rising. I think it's to eighty-five his fee. You know, with all boxes are ticked and whatever. And I think uh, Sabozlai's fees come in around about the 60 million mark or something like that. And, you know, you, you, again, let's not look too far down the M62, but they paid 60 million for Mason Mount. Mm. I would be very happy to say after four games, we've got the better player. Um, and he he's wearing the number eight and the player before him who wore number eight in Naby Keita didn't exactly live up to the previous uh, holder at shirt and Stevie G, which, you know, is a near impossible task, you know, to, to try and do anything replicating what Stevie did in a Liverpool shirt. You, you'd have to be, you know, a freakishly good player. However, uh, this lad now has got the qualities that can match, you know, what Steven Gerrard did in a Liverpool shirt. Now, that's by no means saying he is the next Stevie G, but, you know, he's got He's got all the all the tools in his armory. He's good on the ball. He's got the work rate. He's willing to put a shift in. One thing I'm mightily impressed with is as the game goes on, he seems to get faster and fitter and stronger. Now, obviously, people fatigue, but he maintains a level or if not, goes up. And he, he seems to be getting around the pitch faster as the game gets on, um, which is one of them things you notice when you're actually at the ground, as you say, to, to watching on telly. You, you see these little things. Um and just as overall ability, as as awareness to you know, nowhere to be, sense danger. There was moments in the in the first half where um, you know Villa counted on us, and he was in his in his own penalty box, you know, clearing the ball away. And you know, three or four seconds later, he's back up on the halfway line. He's on the attack, and he's so technically gifted. I think he's 22, 23 years of age. You know, we've got a real star in our hands there, and. You know, I look forward to many more years of him in a red shirt and, and the lad next to him in McAllister, who's probably in many people's opinion being played out of position um as the you know, the nominal number six, but he's Argentine with a you know, Irish or Scottish roots, I can't remember which way round is, but Celtic roots in terms of his his father. Um and he's dogged. You know, he's got a bit of the, you know, the nitty gritty about him. He's he's willing to get his foot in. He's not afraid to, you know, make a challenge. But he's also clever enough to to win the ball and stay on his feet to be able to continue to play while you know the opposition player may be going the other way or be on the floor or whatever. And he he's so talented in his mind of football you know we've got another star there and you know I think that one was 35 million rising to about 50 million you know you you look at some of the money being banned around from midfielders these days and you know you, you look at Declan Rice at 105 million or something and we've got these two lads for less than that combined and you know Declan Rice is a decent player but he's by no means better than either of them two at many things so you know, we went out in that one, but we've got a lot to be positive for in the midfield. And then obviously, Sunday, we didn't get to see um, Ryan Gravenberg either, but he was there, um, you know, sat behind the bench, got a got a warm welcome, got to sample. Um, you never walk alone for the first time, which I said he was looking forward to. 
it to listening and you know will have got to listen to all the the repertoire of songs and there was you know we had the famous famous cop lights was sung however it was adapted due to the weather conditions to we are the sweaty the sweaty cop <laughs> it was melting in the back of that stand on sunday afternoon i am back in 204 and about 60 odd rows back and i was sweating in shorts and t-shirts so if you're another 10 or 15 behind that in row 304 in blocks 304 and 5 where a lot of the songs originate from um there would have been a lot of sweaty copites up there and it just shows you know the the humor that can come out in in our sort of weird play obviously you're freeing it up everything's going well let's have a little bit of a laugh um but yeah, that that was one thing that did make me chuckle on Sunday as well. Yeah, it's always off the cuff as well. It's like no sort of like these aren't planned weeks in advance. Like these, like someone started that shout, um, and the whole cops basically joined in. Um, I wasn't luckily. I, mean, I, I, I wish I was at the game. I wish I was watching the game. Um, but I have to say. I was, I was actually sitting on a beach, keeping cold, uh, keeping cool. You know, nice sea breeze, catching a bit too much sun, maybe, but. Um, just looking at my phone, waiting for updates to see how we went on, and just sort of feeling. Um, and it's an unusual thing when you do have to watch a game kind of through updates on your phone. Um, it's an unusual thing to actually feel relaxed because normally you're sort of waiting for something to go wrong. And I just felt relaxed. I felt like, yeah, we've got this, even though you know that, that's not through watching the game, even. But it's just the whole feel about it felt like, you know, the bits I was seeing, what, what I could see on Twitter from people was that we had this in the bag. Um, as long as nothing stupid happened, it was ours, and we got and we got all three points. Um, I mean, talking in the midfield and talking of the changes, obviously we've got a new player coming in at the last minute. We can talk about him in a sec. But one of the players who went out, one of the reasons we needed to kind of restart the midfield was Jordan Henderson went to Saudi and he's done an interview this week with The Athletic um, you know and there was a lot of fuss about him leaving for um, if, if he said like say he'd, say he'd gone to play in Spain and we'd got that transfer fee and he'd got a decent wage out of it there wouldn't have been the same kind of reaction as there was to him going to Saudi and the reason for that is because um, you know the issues with the LGBTQ community and the way they're treated in Saudi and the fact that he's been wearing the rainbow armband, he's sort of spoken out for it so much, you know, and he's now playing in a country where it's criminalised. And, you know, there was also a feeling that he'd gone there for money because obviously, according to the rumours, the wages would be sort of three times where he was on here. Um, You know, the bottom line at least would have been something like that. Um, You know, stupid amounts of money, unbelievable amounts of money. You know, when people had mixed feelings on that, thinking, well, if he needs it, he needs it. But I don't know. I'm not sure this interview, I think he did the interview thinking it would sort of set the story straight and, you know, restore his image and repair all the damage that was done because he's not said a word about any of this since he left. Personally, I think it'd have been better keeping his gob shut because I think he's dug a hole, um, an even bigger hole for himself. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew 
on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, um, it wasn't his finest piece of work. Um, PR disaster probably would be, you know, a headline that you'd use for it. Um, and yeah, the reading through the interview and, you know, listening to transcripts of it, he he seemed to be of a mindset of what he was going to say on certain topics, but it was only reiterating, you know, negative sort of headlines in what he was saying and it didn't didn't really go down well and yet he was you know basically digging himself a hole in, a, in an Arabian quicksand desert really and he's he's not coming out of this smelling of roses put it that way and you know it, little things like you know saying if, if if the club wanted me to stay I, w- I would have been there and I think you know Klopp said like you know it was was a case of it made sense to listen to the offer, but you know I didn't force him out by any means, and I think I think Klopp's very much, you know, as we've said many a times, his his loyalty can be his biggest strength and his biggest weakness, and he was he was very loyal to Jordan Henderson many a times when people thought you know maybe he shouldn't have been as loyal as he was, and I think financially from the club's point of view it was only wise that we we listened to the offer and and took it seriously. We we weren't probably going to get that sort of offer anywhere else. And if it was then put to Jordan, well, we, yes, we are interested in listening to the offer. And he's basically taken that as, well, you clearly don't want me. So I'm out of here. And, and Spass's dummy out from and sort of bailed at the first time of, you know, any sort of challenge, then then that doesn't reflect well on him either. And I think, you know, he, he tried to to cover up a little bit for the, you know, the remarks over the LGBTQ sort of issues. But then at the same time, he is then asking, you know, to respect the Saudi culture because obviously that's where he is. And you can respect cultures, you know, and and ways of of life to a point. But when it's clearly, you know, attacking certain members of the population for for the way they are in in their lifestyles, then then no, you, you can't defend that. Um, so yeah I think he he's basically come out of this not looking very good and I think there was a question in there about you know would you be getting a testimonial or anything like that and I think you know if, if there was thought of that maybe in the pipework of happening then that probably now has been pushed further back down the line because the reception is received even from a lot of people who've been huge Jordan Henderson supporters and fans and now question you know like maybe that's not you know the wisest thing that you've said and would the club be wise to to maybe open their arms up to some of the things and the way he's approached it I don't know you know only time will tell on that one but it, it doesn't look like the, the best bit of you know media coverage that he's done and I imagine once his England duty is done uh, over this next, you know, 10 days or so. I can't imagine he's popping back up to to the northwest of a pint with Jürgen. I imagine he'll be straight back on the plane towards uh, Saudi. 
Yeah, and I don't think, you know, we, um, I mean, players leave, we sort of get over it, and then later on, you know, we're not bothered about having them back for sort of Legends games or whatever. I mean, when Fernando Torres left, everyone was heartbroken, really, really had to go with him. I think if Torres turned up to play for a Legends game for Liverpool, you know, this summer or whatever, I don't think there'd be anyone sort of shouting that he shouldn't be allowed to play in it, because um, what went on, you know, was just football stuff, wasn't it? But this, this just goes outside of it, and... um I mean, I, I agree. I, I don't buy what he says about why you left because when, when you sort of piece all the things together that he said, he's basically that he, you know, he's saying he, he can be quite, it can be quite difficult for him when he's not playing. Well, that happens with a lot of players. And, um, I mean, I know Jamie Carragher, I remember him saying that he made his decision to retire because he couldn't cope with being on the subs bench. Um, you know, you, you warm up differently. You, you're sort of doing stuff at half time differently. You're sort of away from the first 11, just, just enough. And it didn't feel quite right. And, you know, he, he made a decision to retire. Um, Steven Gerrard went, I don't know, probably still would have had game to Liverpool, but obviously he had that offer to go and do something somewhere else. And, you know, maybe Hendo would have been better doing something like that, going to the States, but, or even looking for a championship club. Cause if he's short of game time, um, there's other clubs where he, where he could have played, I'm sure. I mean, he could have gone to Scotland. I'm sure one of the two Glasgow sides would have taken him on. Um, he could have gone for a championship club. Obviously the issue that then though was he wouldn't get the wages that he's been getting at Liverpool. And when he signed that deal for Liverpool, he must have known that before that four year contract's up, that there's a chance that he's not going to be considered good enough anymore, that he can be a regular starter anymore because Time changes, people, people change, players lose their abilities, players start to decline. It was a right move for us. And I don't think, I, I almost feel like it maybe he would have gone to Jurgen and said, um, Oh, there's this offer coming in for me. What do you reckon? Hoping that Jurgen was going to scramble and say, Oh, no, no, please don't leave. I'll guarantee that you'll play, you know, so many league games this season. No, <laughs> Jurgen's probably more gone. All right. Yeah. Well, you have a listen to it if you want. Cause it's not the end of the world. You know, we're paying him decent money. Probably not going to play him as much. It's probably in our interest to let him go. You know, if we can bring up, bring other people in, but on the LGBTQ stuff, it just feels like, it didn't matter enough to him. I think that's the bottom line. What mattered most to him was, was getting to play enough football so that Gareth Southgate could see him play and so he could get into the England side. Um, he's entitled to make his decisions for selfish reasons, but that's what the whole thing comes across as. And, um, he'd have been better off, as I said, keeping his gob shut. And we could probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours. And I feel sorry for all the people who do feel let back down by him. I don't even think his apology really worked. You know, we tried to make an apology, but it was a little bit half-hearted. He didn't really say sorry. It was one of those, oh, I'm sorry if I have offended you. You know, it's sort of, you know, a half-hearted apology. And it's it's just one of those things. We, we've... We, we've had our heroes at this club and all the rest of it. I don't think he's ever quite lived up to that. Um I'm not sure how welcome back he'll be in the future. Maybe he will be, but um I don't know. I just think he's sort of damaged his reputation just that little bit more with this interview. Um Now, talking of players who might be leaving, um, Mo Salah, we can't get away from it. There's so many rumours about him, um, you know, because finally a bid was put in, which I noticed was a £100 million bid plus add-ons. No details on what the add-ons might be and how achievable they were. But pretty quickly, that was being talked about in the press, is a £150 million bid. And it wasn't really. It was a £100 million bid with £50 on top, should it, you know, should it all go well in every possible way they can think of. And a hundred million, as we've just said for Nunez, that was, you know, that was a bargain fee, what we've paid for him, really. 
and that's with a player who's not yet the finished product, who is still, you know, we're still waiting to see if he'll live up to his potential and we're still hoping he will. But Salah's the finished article. He's 31, but he's playing like he's maybe 27. He seems to have, you know, he's certainly not 31 years old in football years, you know, compared to other players. In model professional and all the rest of it, um, I can't see him going, but, you know, I mean, the reason I've sort of compared him to Henderson is I, I can't see him being hated if he does go, because I don't think he's the same kind of person. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we're sort of giving him too much leeway there if he does go, but, um, different, different kind of circumstances maybe will be as critical. But the bottom line is a hundred million doesn't even come close to what most sellers were, is it? No, it, it, if, if I'm right, I'm thinking is 100 million euro was the fee by Munich paid Tottenham for for Harry Kane plus 10 million euro in bonuses. I think off the top of my head, I might be yeah. slightly out by a few, you know, here or there. But I think it was around the 100 million euro mark, around about 85 to 87 million quid or whatever for a lad with a year to go on his contract. You know, arguably just as important to Tottenham as most salaries to Liverpool in terms of, you know, the, their star player, um, the goal returns that, that both players have, have have got for the clubs in, in recent seasons in the Premier League. So there's that. However, there's the big asterisk that Harry Kane has got class ankles and Mo Salah's got steel abs. Mm. And, you know, Harry Kane will miss a chunk of the season for Bayern Munich. It, it's pretty much nailed on. Um, that he will miss a, a significant period of time due to injuries. And Mo Salah very, very rarely misses any sort of games. You know what I mean? Doesn't even get the sniffles for the lad who's from Egypt and lives in the northwest of England. He doesn't even get a cold. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you factor in, okay, Harry Kane is the golden boy of English football, but Mo Salah is the golden king of Arab and Muslim football. You know, he... There is no bigger Muslim player. There is no bigger player seen in the Arab world than Mo Salah ever. You know, there will be another Harry Kane. Do you know what I mean? There was a Wayne Rooney before him. There was a Michael Owen before that. You know, the the list goes on for for English forwards who are, you know, the players of their period. But this man is transcending football in that part of the world and for the part of the world that wants to grow football globally so fast there is a huge price tag on his head so you know 100 150 million to us with two with two years left on his contract no no that that's that's not what he's worth like he's worth you know a world record fee in my opinion and that's just not red tinted glasses at this one this is you know what he's worth to us and what he's worth to them like if, if he's what he's worth you've got to pay the value um and coming in with with offers, you know, with with hours to go in the window when, you know, Ryan Gravenberg, we were apparently, you know, making moves for him in April and we only got him done on the last day of the transfer window in August or September it was. You know, it, it takes us a while to get transfers over the line. So thinking that we could have possibly gone out there with, you know, 150 million quid in the back pocket and said, right, well, who can we get in the next six hours? Ain't happening. And not only that, whoever we go for, you know, isn't going to replicate what Mo Salah can do because there is only one Mo Salah, and you're just not going to be able to just, you know, pluck that off a shelf and and buy it and get it nice and cheap because 
it's going to come with a cost and a premium. And as as clubs have seen in the past, you know, if if a, if a selling club knows you've got money, you will be held to ransom. Just ask Chelsea and Brighton and Moises Casado and Tony Blair on that one. Um, I think most fans are of the the feeling it's probably inevitable that he is going to end up in Saudi. I think personally, Mo Salah is a clever man and he sees himself in a certain way in image. And I don't think anyone would be, you know, a fool to say the money that's on offer would, you know, tempt you to have a little look and see what it was worth and say, well, if it was possible, you never know. But I also think he's, he's wise enough to sit there and go, well, I'm not going to kick up a fuss, which is what Jürgen said. He turned out on Sunday. He played well. He scored a goal. Arguably could have had a couple of assists as well. Um, but he's the ultimate professional. He will knuckle down and play his football. He's not going to, you know, throw his toys out the pram as such and, and go on strike as other players and other clubs have done. But he's probably waiting to see how this all plays out with Saudi. I think, you know, is he looking at it to see is is it going to do what China did, you know, a couple of years ago when when all all flashy lights and got all these players in and it was busted within a year or two. Mm. He, he probably doesn't want to you know, taint his image with that and say like, well, I went there and, you know, it, it fell flat on its face and and now where am I? Because at 31 years of age, you know, the condition he's in when you look at players like, you know, Ronaldo and Messi and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who played like late into the 30s, even the early 40s probably for a couple of them, they'll get there. You know, this lad has got, you know, five, six years of, of very high level football still on his legs, I think. So, he might just also be playing the game of let's just see how this plays out if this you know all goes to pot over the next year and it doesn't actually suit my image then then why would they go there so I'm not saying he's going to stick around but you know the likelihood is we probably think it's next year but he's also probably buying his time to see how it plays out I think and and see if it is the right move for him and you never know if we we have a hugely successful season it could just be you know tempting that we might just have him for another year or two after that because we might be going in the right direction where he thinks actually you know I could go to the Saudi league and mop up a, a Saudi Premier League trophy in no time however I'm not going to be mopping up another Champions League or the biggest league in the world in the, in the English Premier League trophy you know over there so you know let's just see how it all plays and for now as we record on the Wednesday I think the window shuts in Saudi tomorrow there's been no you know solid sort of news that a bid again has come in so I can't see him going anywhere for the next few months hopefully for the rest of the season and we, we settle down and we get the ultimate professional who's, who's been a star for us for the last four or five six years yeah I mean I think I think the 11th hour bid tells you that it wasn't to me it wasn't a serious bid um, the, the, and to me it was a low ball bid as well Um They've made an offer that was designed to fail almost. That's what it feels like to me. I know there's been talk about um, representatives speaking to our people in London because we've got Liverpool as a London office now and so on. But um, I just think that, you know, you're going to have to make a, a much bigger offer than that to persuade us to even let you officially talk to him. There's no saying, there's no signs I can see that he's been talking to them or his agent as particularly. I think the last thing his agent said was, 
you know, he's happy where he is. And there doesn't seem to be even sort of an attempt to kind of force anything out. Like, as you were saying, he's just getting on with it, not making a fuss. If they come in with a massive offer, we'd be, I mean, there will be a figure. Um, if you ask Liverpool sort of quietly, you know, go through the whole squad and say, you know, what, what's the asking price for this player? They could probably give you one for every single player, but that'd be based on, you know, what's he worth to us? What would it cost to replace them? Can we replace them? You know, how would we replace them? Would we get two plays for the price of one? What would we do? Um, but, and, and obviously that, that's affected by how much they want to leave. I mean, that's another difference with Kane. Kane's wanted to leave Spurs for absolutely ages. He's, you know, it, there's no secret. He nearly went, um, I'm not sure if he went on strike, but he was like, you know, getting to that stage where he's probably thinking about it a couple of seasons ago. He's now finally gone. Um, to them, it was quite clearly get the money now while we can. He's not going to sign a new deal for us. Um, with Mo Salah, I don't know what went on with the, with the, negotiations last time they did seem to take a while to be done but in the end by all accounts he's well and truly the we- the best played player at Anfield so we- he knows how much we want him um, I just think I don't know I just kind of think that this was a sort of image thing for, for, the, for the Saudi team you know make it look like we're in for all these big plays we, we have bought some players we are sort of trying to you know it's sort of an image thing trying to make out that this is a prestigious league look at the kind of players we're in for oh well we couldn't get them this time but maybe we will if they wanted them they would have put a much bigger in it, offering right from the off that we'd have said yes to and he would have gone um, I hope that by the time this comes out I've not proven completely wrong Um but I just think, you know, we're in a position to reject it. And the difference between him and other players is he has only signed a contract a year ago. He's still got two years left on a contract he only signed a year ago. He's not said he wants to leave. He's not showing any signs of wanting to leave. We're not showing any signs of wanting to sell him. That's the other thing people forget. You know, you should be getting taking this money for a 31-year. What if we don't want it? You know, it's not just about money. It's about what he does for us and what the players do for us as a team. What do we want? We want to win the league. We want to win the Europa League and be back in the Champions League next season we want to pick up some domestic trophies again we want to be successful we want to be entertaining we want to we want to fill Anfield not because it makes money certainly not as fans we want to fill Anfield because that helps us to go and win things as well and and to fill Anfield you have an entertaining product because that's what the uh, money men will call it a product but you know if it's entertaining there's more chance we're all going to come um, and that to me is is the difference between us and other clubs Salah is not a commodity that's up for sale in that sense. He's a player that we've got in. We paid what we did. We're paying the wages that we do because we want him to perform and to be part of a team that goes and wins things. And I don't know. That's just the difference between us and other clubs. I feel, um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe all clubs are like that, but the, a lot of the fans who were just talking about the money side of it, you're forgetting there's more to it than money. There always is. And, you know, you, you can't just put Salah's worth down in, in pounds. There's more to it than that. Um, obviously there is, there is a pound value in the end, but because of his value, that makes the pound value very high. Um, now we we sort of we did sign a player though. Now I've not I don't know much about him, but as you said, um, we've been trying to get him for a while. Um, he arrived just too late to play on Saturday, but another midfielder, um, Graven Birch, Graven Birch. Um, where's Graven he? Apparently, I've been informed, and that what? that suits the you know as as the Scouse accent is yeah. niche to certain pronunciations of words, but Graven Birch seems to go. Oh, well, nice give it a touch um, pronunciation at the end, so we'll go with that. Yeah, definitely. That's the one he's going to get, whether he likes it or not. Then, and um, well, where does he fit in? Um, he's taking quite a big share number. I can't remember what it is now. Um, 
Yeah. So where where does he where does he fit in then? You know, we we just talked about how great the midfield is, but and obviously we talked about wanting enough plays for cup games and stuff like that. But um, is he going to be a regular starter in our league games? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Honestly, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And from all, all things I've listened to it, his best description is he's a box-to-box player. I think he said that himself. I think Klopp even said as well. He's he's a box-to-box, so you know he he doesn't tick the defensive six box. Which I think you know if we were again we would have a little gripe about the transfer window. That's what we probably wanted more than anything, given what we lost in Fabinho. But as we said on the last pod, I think he, you know we sort of went like for like in terms of him and. Uh, Endo coming in but Endo's got less miles on the clock so you know maybe we're just sort of parking that one and maybe go after that one in, in, in a couple of windows time in terms of a younger uh, more athletic model in, in, in the number six position and maybe you just think we can get by in terms of what we've got with Endo and we'll go with you know the, the technical football brain of Alexis McAllister in there when we need and not that that is the best use of Alexis, but it's a position that he can fill and do. And what we've seen so far in the small sample size, it's it's fine. Um, where Gravenberg plays, I would imagine, you know, our strongest eleven: Alexis McAllister and Sabozlai are probably, you know, two of the three names in midfield. And then there's a position up for grabs. Um, you mentioned Curtis Jones before the weekend coming back in and. Very solid performance from Curtis. Um, plenty for Blessism around the field. You know, the the issue with Curtis, I don't think, is not his technical ability and, and what he can do with the football. It's it tends to have been his availability. Um, for the lad, we, we've seen, you know, strange injuries where, you know, we'll say, well, Curtis is out for how long? We, we don't know. You know what I mean? And yeah. we've for a period of the time and everyone's just wants them to kick on and we saw the back end of last season he did um, and, and what we see at the weekend was you know not, nothing that's going to do his performance uh, and his reputation any harm when with Gravenberg I would imagine he's probably competing for that if he's after the start and roll it's that, it's that one next to the other two lads um, so he's probably competing with Curtis in terms of you know similar age similar 
profile, able to get around the pitch, you know, mobile, um, good technical ability on the ball, ability to, you know, get a goal. Um, he looks quite the rangy sort of, you know, physique. So, you know, you'd imagine he can do plenty with and without the ball. And, and that that's what, what our main issue was last season. We, we were just struggling for legs in midfield in terms of, you know, getting bodies around the pitch. We were walking teams were walking through us at times you know what I mean and we, we were basically stood there like lollipop men letting them pass and I think we've, we've refreshed it well um, you know you, you look at other other contenders for that midfield berth you know we've mentioned Endo coming you know we've still got uh, young Harvey Elliott's come on for, for sub-appearances this season and done his reputation no harm he's been busy and, and lively and, and had of influence on games and you know Young Stefan Bastic was back on the bench last couple of games. He's to come back in. Thiago, another setback, but technically on the ball, probably one of the best we've got in the squad. He's obviously going to get some game time somewhere along the line. And then, you know, where do all these players fit in? I think, you know, we've got plenty of games. We'll probably juggle um, what we've got. So if Alexis and Sabozlai are the Premier League too, you know, then it, it's one that fills in with them. And then, you know, there's plenty of other options there. But what it does give us is is quality on the ball. And maybe that's what we're going for in, in terms of a lacking natural defensive number six is we're going for on-ball quality. So if we keep hold of the ball, then we don't need that player there to, to win the ball back so often. So time will tell how it, how it goes. But plenty of legs is what we were lacking last season. And I think we've replaced that. So we're fine. Yeah, and Stefan Basitic, of course, as well. There's um, a lot of hope for him. We played him more last season than maybe we'd have liked in terms of like worrying. Here's a young lad who's going to get, you know, get burnt out. But um, looks like he's raring to go. And my only worry with him though is that um, when he joined us originally, he was a centre back, um, and he kind of got turned into a into a defensive midfielder, if you like. And um, it's whether we end up having to use him as centre back, as we mentioned earlier on. But but let's not worry about that for now. Um, Anfield Road as well. I mean, we talked about it last time that the the building work had stopped, but at the time, the building company had only sort of said they were thinking of going into administration, or they were, you know, they were sort of worried they might have to go into administration. Um, well, nothing changed, and they have gone into administration now, but not heard anything from the club to say anything new. Um, obviously, Billy Hogan was talking about it last time, saying that um, they were kind of in limbo until the administration happened. Well, it's happened, but I've not heard anything yet, but. Um, international break a bit of time to sort of think about it did it uh, you were at the game again you know is it? Is it you know how can I put it is it still any looking progress? like we need something done you know uh, any progress um, <laughs> well there won't be any progress um, judging by what I've seen on the weekend I think there might be a few more seats in and it looked like there was a few more um more fixtures in terms of, you know, where the seats will be docked, you know, across the stand. Um, it didn't look like wholesale mass improvements on two weeks, but obviously with the, the construction frame sort of future in doubt. And I think in, in the past couple of days, I think they have uh, fully filed administration and bankrupt. And, you know, I think it was 450 workers have probably lost their jobs, which is, which is awful news for them. Um, not just for, you know, them personally, but the families as well. And, mm. you know, they're the, probably the pride of working on, on, on Anfield as well is something that you can't really take away. 
Um, but I did I did see a report that we are looking to you know name a replacement um, to finish the work off in the very very near future. So you know fingers crossed if if we are seeing some news on that in the next you know coming day or week or so, and we can crack on with that. Um, you know, the sooner the better, but it just all needs to be done properly and correctly. So obviously, it's not a it's not a botched finish. Like I think all fans who you know, like myself, my my European tickets this season are due to be in the Upper Anfield Road, and we've got a game <laughs> in I think it's three weeks yeah. um, at home in that in that uh, competition. So I I can't see myself sat there. That obviously there'll have to be contingency plans in in place for this, but. If you ask all fans, I'm sure, you know, if they were to sacrifice a game or two, but the stand was finished to the top quality possible and, it, you know, it might be a little bit behind schedule. Let's not rush it. Let's not, you know, have potential hazards in there. Let's make sure it's done properly. And, you know, for a couple of quid that might be lost in terms of ticket revenue in the short term by missing a couple of games will be certainly worth it you know, in the long term if things weren't done properly and it had to go back and then be constantly adjusted and fixed. So we're sort of no nearer to progress, but we are where we are in terms of, you know, the situation on, on the on the stadium and on the extension. So fingers crossed we'll get some positive news in the near future for it. Yeah, and I mean, I think it will be done and we've got a stadium to play in. Um with it can still hold like fifty thousand people, so it's um you know it's not it's not the end of the world if it takes a little bit longer and and obviously it's distressing for for, for fans who have to sit somewhere else, but not as distressing it is for the lads and, and ladies who've lost their jobs. Hopefully, the, the new builders can actually employ some of those who've been working on it and and help them transition to to whatever whatever comes next without this sort of fear of whatever's going through them at the moment. Um, but talking of Everton, um, talking of stadiums, Everton across the way, um. Might as well just have a quick talk about them. Damari Gray's apparently about to go, so um there was no chance of him playing again by the sounds of it for that for Everton this season. So even though it's happened after the window's closed, that's an eight million pound or thereabouts bit of money that can come in and maybe uh maybe pay for a bit more of the stadium work to be done for them. Um but really they needed that money in before the window closed because they've so far managed one point all season and that was against the team who'd also not managed a point up until that game um you know it's matter it, the most most ardent hater of everton couldn't have asked for a for a worse start for them no it, it, it's laughable and um, we always say you know no matter how bad things are you can always laugh at the f but it is um you know one point and they were lucky to get that um you know pickford literally saved them in that in that respect um you know, they, they were lucky to, to pick up that point. And um, I would say that, you know, had they gone into the, the back end of the season with 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 no points, it's a, sorry, the, the first half of the season, four games, or whatever, with, with no points and just four empty sheets, then, you know, they would have been struggling um, in terms of what, the, what they're looking for in terms of the future. But, um, yeah, the, the struggling for cash. I didn't even know Damari Gray was going. I think it was on, it was off, and then he's been he's been talked about in terms of is he going to Qatar? Is he going to Saudi? Is he going to Fulham? Um, he's had a pop of dice on social media. Um, you know, he 
he's not doing himself any favours, but if he's got himself a move out of there, he's probably done himself a huge favour in actually getting out of that club. Um, because, you know, in, in the famous words of a ship that once left Liverpool and the Titanic, it seems to be going one way and it's not necessarily across the water, it's only downwards. Yeah, definitely. Um, of course, let's finish on that. Let's leave it that with Everton and all the fun that they give us. I mean, I do, I, I always say I feel sorry for them in some ways, but they hate you saying that you feel sorry for them. So, um, for now, I'm just going to keep laughing at them until something changes and it's not looking good for them. Um, so early on in the season, so many defeats, still struggling for money, still waiting to hear what the Premier League are going to do about them. Um, and as you say, there's always the Ev, isn't there? So this time we didn't maybe need to have the Ev as much because I still think we're on a good roll at the moment. Really Really good signs for us this season but now of course just as you're on a good roll the international window comes along so there's no football real football for a couple of weeks but it will be back and we'll be back as well hopefully before we next place we can start looking ahead and see what else has gone on because there's always something going on in this city and always something going on with this club but as always thanks to you for listening thanks to jay for for being here as well and yeah we'll be back soon but for now that's us We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.